0: If uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine again. Then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it.
1: What what? How will you how will you do that exactly? Since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control.
0: We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it.
2: One of the world's most renowned journalists has reported that the United States government blew up the Nord Stream pipelines that were used to send Russian gas to Germany. This is according to Seymour Hirsch, one of the world's most respected journalists. He's won all of the top journalism awards, including the Pulitzer Prize, the top journalism award on the planet. He has reported over many decades for a variety of mainstream newspapers. He exposed U.S. government crimes in Vietnam, Iraq, Iran, Syria. And his latest report focuses on the destruction of the Nord Stream pipelines. These were pipelines, technically they still exist, but they're just destroyed, that were built between Russia and Germany going through the Baltic Sea, and there are two of them, there are two sets of pipelines, each, of, each has two pipelines. So there's four pipelines in total, but they're divided into two parts. First is Nord Stream 1, which was opened in 2011. And this was a decision that the German government wanted because Russia provided very cheap gas to Germany, which was used to power energy for homes, but especially for German industry. And German is a major industrial power. And then there was also Nord Stream 2, which was built over several years with billions of dollars of investment by European companies. And construction was finished in September 2021. But the pipeline, Nord Stream 2 pipelines, were never opened. They were never officially used because the US government threatened its so called ally, Germany, with sanctions if they opened the pipeline and got more Russian gas to to fuel their households and their industry. Now, in the past year, with the escalation of the proxy war between NATO and Russia, the U.S. was pressuring Germany to cut off all ties with Russia. And in September of 2022, the Nord Stream pipelines were blown up. And we had a lot of evidence pointing toward the U.S. government being involved. I did, myself, reports on that, and I'll talk about that in a bit. And we now have confirmation from one of the world's most respected journalists, Seymour Hirsch. He published this in an article on February 8th, and it's called How America Took Out the Nord Stream Pipeline. And he ended up publishing it at Substack, the blogging platform. And this is a journalist who's won all the top awards. He's written from The New York Times and everywhere else. But the reason he ended up writing for Substack, he explained in a separate article, and in this article, he explained that he's had such a negative history of dealing with mainstream corporate media outlets that are always trying to censor him. He noted that when he won his Pulitzer Prize, it was very difficult. Now, His Pulitzer Prize, by the way, was for his expose on war crimes committed by the U.S. military in the Vietnam War. And he said it was very hard for him to get that story published. It was rejected by magazines. And then he said when the Washington Post finally published it, they littered it with Pentagon denials and the unthinking skepticism of the rewrite man. And then he also noted that since then, he's published many stories in mainstream outlets, winning awards. For instance, in 2004, he published the first stories exposing the torture of Iraqi prisoners, by the U.S. military at the Abu Ghraib prison. And the Pentagon responded by saying that it was fake news, it was a false story, and the Pentagon smeared his journalism as a, quote, tapestry of nonsense. So there's a long history of the U.S. government trying to deny these objectively true stories. And Seymour Hersh has a track record of being correct again and again and again and again. And the U.S. government has a history of lying again and again and again. Seymour Hersh also points out that Today, big mainstream corporate media outlets like CNN and MSNBC and Fox News battle for sensational headlines instead of investigative journalism. And he said he decided to go to Substack because he's watched writer after writer on this platform as they freed themselves from their publishers' economic interests. And he emphasized the importance of freedom. So this explains why Seymour Hersh published this article at Substack And I'm going to go through the main details of this report. It's pretty lengthy. I'm going to go through the main details for people who don't understand a lot of the context, because if you're new to this subject, it might confuse you. So I'll try to start from square one. He begins this article saying that in June of 2022, divers from the U.S. Navy operating under the cover of a NATO military exercise called Ball Tops 22 they put remotely triggered explosives on the Nord Stream pipelines, and then three months later, in September 2022, they were blown up, and they destroyed three of the four Nord Stream pipelines. And he said this was overseen by the U.S. Navy's Diving and Salvage Center, which is based in Panama City, Panama City, in Florida. Now, as I said, for people, I don't want to confuse you. There were technically four smaller pipelines that were part of two big pipelines. And it's part of one system. The entire system is called Nord Stream. And there's Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. Nord Stream 1 has two smaller pipelines and Nord Stream 2 has two smaller pipelines. So three of those four pipelines were destroyed. But again, I wanna stress that Nord Stream 2 was never actually active. It was only Nord Stream 1 that was active because of the threats of US sanctions. Now, continuing with the story, Uh, Seymour Hersh points out that the divers who carried out this sabotage operation were only from the U.S. Navy. It did not include members of Special Operations Command, and there's a reason for that. Because when covert operations include special ops, they must be reported to the U.S. Congress and specifically to the leadership of the Senate and House Intelligence Committees, and they're, they're called the Gang of Eight. Those are the top congressional officials with insight over intelligence operations in the US. So the Biden administration intentionally chose not to use those forces and instead to keep it only with Navy divers so they wouldn't have to report it. Now, this explains why the White House and the CIA both have vehemently denied the story, claiming that it's false. It's a complete fiction. However, I should stress that According to U.S. law, the White House and the CIA are legally allowed to lie about special operations. I noted this in a report that I did about the CIA and NATO carrying out sabotage attacks inside Russian territory. And that is according to a report that was done by an investigative journalist named Jack Murphy, who was a U.S. military veteran. And he pointed out in his report That Article 50 of the U.S. Code, which is this U.S. government law, says clearly, In this is the part of the code that involves presidential approval for covert operations. It notes that if the president, the U.S. president, decides that the covert operation is something very sensitive, the president only has to report that covert operation to the Gang of Eight, which is, again, the chairman and ranking minority members of the Congressional Intelligence Committees. So that is to say, according to this US law, the president and the CIA can lie about covert operations and legally deny existing covert operations, telling the media and the public a falsehood, that they don't exist, if they think that it's necessary for US national security. And of course, they abuse that all the time. Now, as Seymour Hirsch pointed out in his other accompanying article, The U.S. government has a long history of claiming that his factual stories are false, including when he exposed U.S. war crimes in Vietnam, when he exposed U.S. torture in Iraq. And, of course, now they're saying the same thing. So if the U.S. government lies to you again and again and again and again, when are you going to learn? Especially considering that Seymour Hersh has a track record of being correct again and again and again. So let's continue going through the main points of his story here. He notes that the main figures involved in overseeing this sabotage operation were Joe Biden, the US president, his national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, and the undersecretary of state for political affairs, Victoria Newland, all of whom have a very hardline neoconservative foreign policy. Victoria Newland herself was a key figure involved in the 2014 coup in Ukraine that overthrew Ukraine's democratically elected government that had been geopolitically neutral and installed a Western puppet regime. And there's a leaked, uh, there's a photo here of the three of them, the main figures from the State Department and the White House. And on the left, you can see Victoria Nuland. She is the wife of the notorious neoconservative godfather, Robert Kagan. And there's this infamous phone recording of her speaking with the U.S. ambassador, Jeffrey Piatt, in Ukraine in 2014, just a few weeks before the U.S.-backed coup in February. And she and the U.S. ambassador are naming the people who are going to run the Ukrainian government after the coup. And she specifically says, Arseniy Yatsenyuk. She says, Yats is the guy, referring to a right-wing Ukrainian politician who became prime minister of Ukraine immediately after the coup. So this is someone who has a long history of being involved in U.S. coups. And anti-Russia operations so it's no surprise to hear that she was one of the main people along with Jake Sullivan and Tony Blinken in this sabotage operation now uh, Seymour Hersh pointed out that Nord Stream was always seen by Washington and its anti-Russian NATO partners as a threat to Western dominance I'm gonna come back to this later I'm gonna go through the main points of his article first but he doesn't talk a lot about the economics of this I'm going to talk more about the economic implications after I summarize the main points. But let's continue going on in this article. So he notes that the planning to sabotage the Nord Stream pipelines began in December 2021. That is to say, more than two months before Russia invaded Ukraine. So this, the U.S. cannot use this as an excuse saying that they sabotaged Nord Stream in response to Russia invading Ukraine. They were already planning on doing it. And that gave them a good excuse to do so. I should mention that in September of 2021, Nord Stream ended construction, and German, the German government did not give the certific, certification needed to open the pipeline. So that explains why this meeting was organized in December, just two months after the pipeline was completed and two months before Russia invaded Ukraine. So in this meeting, it was organized by Jake Sullivan, Biden's National Security Advisor, and it brought together the Joint Chiefs of Staff, that's the leaders of the military, along with the CIA, the State Department, and the Treasury Department. They discussed multiple possibilities, including sanctions, and they also discussed kinetic actions. That's another fancy way of saying attacks. Kinetic action is this euphemism used by the US military to refer to attacks. So Seymour Hersh points out that, again, this is two months before Russia invaded Ukraine, that Jake Sullivan, following the orders of Biden, had already decided that they were going to destroy the Nord Stream pipelines. So this is before Russia invaded. They already had this plan. And th- all of these, uh, all of this that Seymour Hersh is discussing is based on an anonymous source with insider knowledge of the operation. And his source told Seymour Hersh, quote, it's an act of war. So acknowledging that the US blowing up A pipeline between Russia and Germany is an act of war against Russia. I should also add it's an act of war against Germany, which is ostensibly an ally of the U.S., a member of NATO. Now, the CIA director, William Burns, he himself was former ambassador to Russia, and he authorized the CIA to create a working group to oversee this covert operation using deep sea divers from the U.S. Navy. And they began to create the plan. Seymour Hirsch points out the CIA has a history of carrying out attacks like this and also uh, spying on the Russian military and using pipelines and such, going back to the first Cold War in 1971. What he doesn't mention, what I would add, is that in the 1980s, the CIA did the same thing in Nicaragua, sabotaging civilian infrastructure, putting mines in Nicaragua's ports to blow up Nicaragua's ports. And the, the Nicaragua took the U.S. government to the International Court of Justice and won the case. And the U.S. government still owes billions of dollars of reparations to Nicaragua, but refused to pay it. So anyway, fast forwarding back to early 2022, before Russia invaded Ukraine, the CIA working group reported back to Jake Sullivan, the White House National Security Advisor, saying, quote, we have a way to blow up the pipelines. So... Before Russia invaded, they already had this plan worked out. Then on February 7th at a press conference, US President Biden threatened and he said, if Russia invades, there will no longer be a Nord Stream 2. We will bring an end to it. I'm going to play that clip.
0: If uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, the the border of Ukraine. Again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. It, we we will bring an end to it.
1: What, do, what? How will you how will you do that? Exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control.
0: We will. Uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it.
2: Now, in addition to Biden's threat. Before that, on January 27th, 2022, about a month before Russia invaded Ukraine, the third in command of the US State Department, the Undersecretary of State, Victoria Nuland, made very similar threats. She said, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward.
1: Um, With regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies, and I wanna be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream Two will not move forward.
0: Uh, how do you how can you say that for sure? Where does your confidence come from on
1: that? As I said, we've had extensive consultations at every level uh, with our German allies. I'm not going to get into the specifics here today, but we will work with Germany to ensure that the pipeline does not move forward.
2: The State Department spokesman, Ned Price, who was previously a CIA analyst, he also used the exact same comments when asked on January 26th. So again, this is a month before Russia invaded. These are top figures in the US government saying very clearly that if Russia invades, they're going to destroy the Nord Stream pipeline. They were not being shy about it. They were saying it pretty clearly. Now, this brings us back to Seymour Hersh's report. And here he talks about another key detail which is it was not just the US government the CIA and the Navy that were involved in this operation it was also a member of NATO Norway and this is important because Norway is often portrayed by social democrats and you know some progressives who are soft on imperialism as this great democratic socialist paradise but the reality is that Norway is part and parcel of the imperialist system Norway is part of NATO and has been involved in numerous wars of aggression. For instance, back in 2011, when NATO destroyed the Libyan state and killed the leader of Libya, Muammar Gaddafi, the US Defense Secretary, Robert Gates, he praised both Norway and Denmark for helping to destroy Libya. And he pointed out that these Scandinavian so-called socialist democracies or whatever, which are not socialist and they're not democracies either, They helped the U.S. and France and Britain bomb one third of targets with 12% of the NATO planes in this colonialist war to destroy the government of Libya. And still today, there's no central government in Libya. So it's important to, to understand Seymour Hersh's reporting here about how NATO is basically an extension of U.S. imperialism. And he points out that the U.S. military has vastly expanded its presence inside Norway. And Norway has a huge radar, very advanced radar technology that the U.S. uses to spy deep into Russia. So again, NATO is part of the imperialist system. And he notes that the U.S. military has basically been violating Norway's sovereignty. In 2022, Norway passed a law called the Supplementary Defense Cooperation Agreement, SDCA, which basically makes the US legal system have control over parts of Northern Norway, so US soldiers cannot be prosecuted by the Norwegian authorities. So this is basically the US taking control of parts of Norway, basically colonizing parts of Norway. And Seymour Hirsch points out that Norway was one of the original signatories of the NATO treaty in 1949, in the early days of the Cold War. I should point out that Another founding member of NATO in that year was Portugal's fascist dictatorship, which had been supportive of Nazi Germany and fascist Italy. So NATO has always been allied with fascists. And the supreme commander of NATO today is Jens Stoltenberg. And Jens Stoltenberg is a hardline committed anti-communist and neoconservative. And he has cooperated with the US intelligence community since the Vietnam War. And Seymour Hirsch's insider source told him that the commander of NATO, Jens Stoltenberg, quote, is the glove that fits the American hand. So Norway played a key role in helping the U.S. in this. And he points out that, the, that Norway had an economic interest because Norway has since become the largest supplier of energy to Europe. I'll come back to that point in a second because I want to talk more about the economic, ec- economic implications of this. So Seymour Hersh points out that the Norwegian Navy was helped, was involved in finding the spot off of Denmark's Bornham Island, and that's where they sabotaged the Nord Stream Pipeline. So Norway played a key role in helping the CIA and the US military. And as Seymour Hersh puts it, the Norwegians were key. And this was all done under... The cover of NATO military exercises in the Baltic Sea in June, they're held every year and they're called Baltic Operations 22 or Balt Ops 22. The Norwegians proposed this would be the ideal cover to plant mines. And they did so again off the coast of Bornham Island. And at the time, there were NATO teams of divers that were planting mines and then using technology to find and destroy them. And they used it as an excuse to blow up the Nord Stream pipelines. Back in October, I wrote a report about this titled Who Sabotaged Nord Stream Pipelines? U.S. Boats Tremendous Opportunity to Weaken Russia, CIA New. And in this article that I wrote, I pointed out that these NATO military exercises were happening. And this was also uh, pointed out by a researcher on Twitter that I've collaborated with who's very good. Unfortunately, uh, Elon Musk's Twitter has sabotaged, has uh, censored his account for posting information about Ukraine that Elon Musk's U.S. government sponsors, uh, as e- Elon Musk is, of course, a U.S. government contractor and has gotten billions of dollars of uh, subsidies from the U.S. government. They have censored this uh, the account of this guy, Bidet Marksman, uh, for reporting information that they deemed so-called Russian disinformation. But I pointed out in this article back in October that... Every year, NATO organizes military exercises in the Baltic Sea, in which the U.S.-led military alliance uses drones to clear sea, to clear sea mines. The 2022 exercises were held in June. So, I mean, th- this was pretty obvious at the time that NATO was, was being used as cover. And I pointed out in this article, so, uh, after t- uh, working with this, uh, this investigator, Bede B- B- Marksman on Twitter, that the U.S. Navy conducted military exercises near the Danish island of Bornham, and the U.S. and British armed forces were training Ukraine's military to hunt for mines with underwater drones. So there there were a lot of pieces of evidence hinting toward this, but of course, Seymour Hersh always delivers the goods. He's the one who has tons of sources inside the U.S. government, and they're the ones who have officially confirmed this now, which many people suspected at the time. So, Seymour, we're almost done with Seymour Hersh's article, and then I'll talk about the other eco- the economic implications. So, after the bombs, the, explos- the explosives, which were C-4 explos- explosives, were put on the Nord Stream pipelines in June during the NATO military exercises in 2022, the White House decided they wanted to delay the explosion because, obviously, they knew that if they exploded, if they blew up the pipelines immediately right after the NATO military exercises, it would be very obvious who did it. So they ended up waiting. And then in September, Norway blew up the pipelines. Well, following U.S. orders, of course. And Seymour Hersh points out that the CIA has a history of carrying out operations, not only abroad, but inside the United States. The CIA has a history of spying on anti-war leaders. The the uh, The CIA has a history of spying on U.S. citizens being involved in the assassination of foreign leaders and overthrowing foreign governments like the socialist Chilean president, Salvador Allende. And he points out that the former CIA director, Richard Helms, he said that basically if the U.S. president wants to do something, then they can do it. Laws don't matter. He said, the CIA director, Richard Helms, said, You almost have an immaculate conception when you do something under orders from the president. And he said... Quote, whether it's right that you should have it or wrong that you should should have it, the CIA works under different rules and ground rules than any other part of the government. Now, I would also add that the CIA has also been involved in assassinating presidents like JFK. But anyway, uh, continuing here, on September 26th, 2022, the Norwegian Navy dropped a sonar buoy, which set off the, expl- the C4 explosives on the Nord Stream pipelines and blew them up. And of course, Norway was following US orders in doing so. Now, Seymour Hirsch points out that after there, were, there was a propaganda campaign in the US media creating this ridiculous conspiracy theory, trying to blame Russia for blowing up its own pipelines that Russia and other European companies invested billions of dollars in and spent years building. And Russia, by the way, after the pipelines were destroyed, Russia was was doing research to see how much it would cost to rebuild them. So why would Russia destroy its own pipelines? It makes no sense. But Seymour Hersh points out that this conspiracy theory spread by the U.S. media was spurred on by calculated leaks from the White House. That is to say, the White House, the U.S. government, was playing the media like a mighty waller to quote a former CIA official, a senior CIA official who famously said that the CIA plays the media like a mighty waltzer, which is a, a musical instrument. So the CIA basically controls the media. And this is an example of the White House using the media to spread disinformation and a conspiracy theory to try to blame Russia for the pipeline that the, that the US blew up. And finally, Seymour Hirsch concluded his article noting that at a Senate Foreign Relations Committee hearing, the third in command of the U.S. State Department, the neoconservative operative, Victoria Nuland. She was speaking with Senator Republican Senator Ted Cruz, who's also a hardline neoconservative like her. And Ted Cruz was helping to lead the congressional opposition against Nord Stream, pressuring for more and more hawkish positions against Russia. And the third in command of the U.S. State Department, Victoria Nuland, she boasted, like you, I am, and I think the administration is very gratified to know that the Nord Stream, that Nord Stream 2 is now, as you like to say, a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. Here is that clip.
1: As you know, in January of last year, the Senate voted on my legislation to impose sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, and it did so
0: before Russia had invaded Ukraine. When the Senate voted on those sanctions, President Zelensky publicly urged, even begged,
1: the United States Senate to pass those sanctions. And President Zelensky said, passing those sanctions then were the last chance
2: to prevent Russia from invading Ukraine, the last chance to prevent Russian tanks rolling into Ukraine. Was President Zelensky wrong?
1: Senator Cruz, uh, like you, I am, and I think the administration is very gratified to know that Nord Stream 2 is now, as you like to say, a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea.
2: So those were the main details of this blockbuster report by the GOAT, as they say, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Seymour Hersh, the best journalist in the world. And that is his latest report. And you can find that over at his substack, which is SeymourHirsch.substack.com. I will, of course, link to that in the description below. But before I conclude today, I wanna talk about the economic implications about this and a few other pieces of evidence that we had that made it very obvious from the beginning that this was the US government. Now, I noted in my original report back in October, and I'll link to that in the description below, that the U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, boasted right after the attacks on Nord Stream, he said that it was a tremendous opportunity to once and for all remove the dependence on Russian energy. And he boasted that the U.S. was boosting its exports of liquefied natural gas LNG to Europe. So the U.S. was profiting from this. Here is that video clip.
1: Ultimately. Um, this is also a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous opportunity to once and for all remove the dependence on Russian energy and thus to take away from uh, Vladimir Putin the weaponization of energy as a means of advancing uh, his uh, imperial designs. Uh, that's very significant, and, and that offers tremendous um, strategic opportunity for um, for the years to come. We've significantly increased our... Um, production, as well as um, making available to Europe liquefied natural gas. Um, and we're now the leading supplier of LNG uh, to Europe to help compensate for any uh, gas or oil that it's losing as a result of Russia's aggression against Ukraine.
2: Anthony Blinken made those comments in a press conference with Canada's Foreign Minister Melanie Jolie. And she also boasted that Canada has been increasing its gas production and exporting gas LNG to the US, which is then sent to Europe. So Canada is also profiting from the, the proxy war against Russia on the destruction of the Nord Stream pipelines. Now, I also pointed out back in October that Germany's Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbach had likewise threatened the Nord Stream pipelines. And this was one week before Russia invaded Ukraine. And she said, All options are on the table, including Nord Stream 2. And she said, we as germany are prepared to pay a high economic price so she's willing to sacrifice the people of germany for this imperialist proxy war against russia here is that very revealing video clip we are
1: determined with a view to the actions and measures that we're preparing in the event of uh, russia uh, acting against the Ukraine, these sanctions are un, or would be unprecedented, and have been coordinated with all our partners, and have been prepared with them. We, in Germany, are ready to pay a high price for that in economic terms. That is why all options are on the table. Also, Nord Stream two.
2: Again, those comments were made one week before Russia invaded Ukraine. And by the way, since then, Annalena Baerbock has said that germany is at war with russia she's made it clear that the european union is at war with russia now i also pointed out that back in 2020 the former cia director turned secretary of state mike pompeo under donald trump he also said that the u.s government would quote do everything we can to stop Nord Stream 2 and he said that it was dangerous and a threat and he boasted that the trump administration was the toughest administration ever on Russia. So once again, threatening the Nord Stream pipelines back in 2020, over two years before Russia invaded Ukraine. Here's that video clip of Mike Pompeo.
1: Further on Russia, two weeks ago, the State Department removed Nord Stream 2's exemption under Katza. And in December, the administration's swift Im- implementation of PISA, an important bipartisan endeavor, effectively halted construction of the pipeline. Were the toughest administration ever on Russia. Uh, could you
0: talk about the administration's commitment to opposing the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and applying sanctions against those companies aiding in the completion of this r- Russian trap?
1: You know, the, the irony is that this administration is accused by some of not being tough on Russia. I mean, this Pre- President Trump personally took on this. He saw that this was a threat, uh, that uh, this pipeline being threat created enormous leverage for Russia, not only against Germany and broader Europe, but Ukraine as well. Uh, And so uh, we set about, and with with good support in Capitol Hill, and we got legislation that was appropriate to uh, now have delayed this project significantly. We need further tools. We're prepared to use those tools should you provide them uh, to us. Uh, And and we've also used our diplomatic capabilities uh, to make clear to countries that we're going to do the other end, too. We're going to make sure that American LNG can be sold into these countries. We think Nord Stream 2 is dangerous in that respect. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that that pipeline doesn't threaten Europe.
2: Now there was even more evidence at the time, back in September, one day after the destruction of the Nord Stream pipelines, Germany's uh, media reported, Der Spiegel, which is one of the main newspapers, that the CIA had warned German intelligence just a few weeks before the sabotage that gas pipelines in the Baltic Sea might be attacked. So clearly, this was the CIA, which was involved in the operation to destroy the Nord Stream pipelines, according to Seymour Hersh. This was the CIA warning Germany a few weeks before that they were going to blow out the pipelines. So, I mean, it's as blatant as it could possibly get. This is mainstream German media reporting this. Then there was another article just two weeks after the attack in October, also published by Reuters titled, U.S. Navy jet flew across Baltic hours after Nord Stream burst. I mean, again, it's like the U.S. Is just, was just gloating. It notes that a U.S. Navy reconnaissance aircraft flew near the site of the ruptured Nord Stream 2 pipeline in the Baltic Sea hours after the first damage emerged. So yet another example of so much evidence at the time pointing toward the U.S. government being behind this attack on the Nord Stream pipelines. Now I noted in my report and I got a link to that in the description below that one day after Nord Stream was sabotaged a top European politician who was formerly the foreign minister and the defense minister of Poland which is a member of both NATO and the EU his name is Radek Sikorski he thanked the United States for blowing up the pipelines and Radek Sikorsky is a hardline neoconservative. He's married to the notorious U.S. neoconservative figure, Ann Alpobom. And he is viciously anti-Russian and very pro-U.S. And he tweeted, quote, Thank you, USA. And posted a photo of the destruction of the Nord Stream pipelines, by the way, leaking out huge sums of environmentally destructive gas, which is extremely bad for the environment and fuels climate change. So. It shows how little these Western politicians actually do care about climate change. They'll claim to care about it. They'll do lip service about it when they can attack Russia or China or Venezuela, but they don't care about climate change. They they just want Western corporations to profit from climate change, not, not other countries. Of course, after he tweeted that, he ended up deleting the tweet, but it was a blatant example that everyone in the world knew that it was the U.S. government behind the destruction of these pipelines. But now this brings me to one of the most important details in this case. And this is the economic implications that Seymour Hersh didn't get into. And that is that NATO members like Norway and the U.S. have been profiting from the destruction of the Nord Stream pipelines. It's not just geopolitical, it's also economic, as is always the case, because geopolitics and economics are inextricably linked. And that is that just hours after the destruction of the Nord Stream pipelines, norway and poland opened a new pipeline called the baltic pipe which connects norway denmark and poland which are all nato members and by the way that pipeline was funded by the european union and the explicit goal of the baltic pipe was to end europe's dependence on russian energy that was the explicitly stated goal that members of the Norwegian, Danish, and Polish governments, and the EU all said when they opened the Baltic Pipe hours after the destruction of the Nord Stream Pipelines. This is a map showing the Baltic Pipe pipeline, and you can see that it is a direct competitor to the Nord Stream Pipelines. So, now, who is profiting from this? Norway. In 2022, Russia was the largest exporter of gas to Europe, but that they were quickly replaced by Norway. Norway has now become the largest supplier of pipeline gas to Europe. And by the way, the largest supplier of liquefied natural gas is the United States. The US is also profiting. This is an incredible graph showing in 2021, Russia provided the vast, vast, vast majority of gas to Germany. But now, Russia is no longer the largest provider of gas to Germany. In fact, Norway is. In 2021, Norway only provided under 20% of Germany's gas supply. As of 2022, Norway has provided, is providing at least 33% of Germany's natural gas supply, and that figure is increasing. And of course, it is also US corporations who are profiting from the destruction of Nord Stream and the end of Germany's and Russia's energy alliance. And I have a separate report about this in a video. I will link to that in the description below. And it's about how in 2022, the US became the world's largest exporter of LNG, liquefied natural gas. The US is now tied with Qatar. And why is that? Well it's obvious. It's because Europe has become the main customer for US LNG. There is an incredible graph in this article that I wrote here that is from the Energy Information Administration, the EIA, which is part of the US government. And it shows how US LNG exports have exploded in just six years. In 2016, they were basically zero. As of 2022, they were over 300 billion cubic feet. Again, only tied with Qatar. And that's because that LNG is going to Europe. This graph, also from the US EIA, shows how in 2020 and 2021, much majority or plurality of US LNG exports went to Asia. But instead, in 2022, they were replaced with Europe as the top customer. So Europe became by far the biggest purchaser of the biggest importer of US LNG and of course US fossil fuel corporations and exporters are profiting from that along with European importers are profiting from that. And these are all private companies. And the EIA boasted that Europe imported record record amounts of LNG in 2022, including France, Britain, Spain, the Netherlands, Italy, Belgium, Portugal. So Europe is is paying significantly more money for expensive U.S. LNG rather than the cheap Russian pipeline gas. And now Norway is providing pipeline gas, but the U.S. is profiting as well. So as always, it's not just geopolitical. There are economic interests driving this. And U.S. fossil fuel corporations and Norwegian gas suppliers are profiting from the destruction of the Nord Stream pipelines between Russia and Germany. And finally, to conclude this analysis, this brings me to a book that I often cite, which is was written by one of the most influential U.S. imperial strategists, Zbigniew Brzezinski. And it's from 1997. His book is called The Grand Chessboard, American Primacy and Its Geostrategic Imperatives. Brzezinski was the U.S. national security advisor under President Jimmy Carter, and he was the main architect of the CIA proxy war against the Soviet Union in Afghanistan in the 1980s. And he famously wrote in this book, he warned in this book back in 1997, that the U.S. must be must be on the lookout to prevent a so-called Russia, Russo-German alliance, which would be at the detriment of Europe's transatlantic connection with America. He said that a Russo-German alliance or a Russo-French alliance could threaten U.S unipolar hegemony over Eurasia and he said that for the first time in ever the U.S. dominates Eurasia. The U.S. is the first truly global power and he said whether the U.S. prevents the emergence of a dominant and antagonistic Eurasian power remains central to America's capacity to exercise global supremacy. So the U.S. destruction of the Nord Stream pipelines is part of a larger strategy the US is trying to prevent the economic integration of Russia Russia and Germany and by extension Germany and China it's about preventing Eurasian economic integration and keeping Europe economically dependent on the United States and US corporations that's why the United States now is deindustrializing Europe and and destroying European industry and and actually luring european companies to go over the ocean and to relocate in the united states it's all about preventing europe from economically integrating with russia and by extension china and the rest of asia because that is the only way for the us to maintain its control over eurasia and by extension the world and this brings me to the final quote today which was uh, cited in a very good article called Did America Cause Europe's Energy War at the website unheard.com. And it notes that another well-known U.S. imperial strategist named George Friedman, who was the former chair of the private intelligence firm Stratfor, which is very closely linked to the U.S. intelligence agencies. And in fact, Stratfor is often referred to as the shadow CIA. And George Friedman wrote back in 2010, he said that the mere possibility that Russia might collaborate with Europe and particularly Germany opens up the most significant threat in the decade, a long term threat that needs to be nipped in the bud. And we can see that the U.S. nipped that threat in the bud by destroying the Nord Stream pipelines and preventing German and Russian economic integration. And finally, in a 2015 speech, this U.S. imperial strategist, George Friedman, also pointed out that the overriding interest of the United States, for which we have fought wars for centuries, has been the relationship between Germany and Russia. And he said that that if Germany and Russia unite, they are the only force that could threaten us, and we need to make sure that doesn't happen. Here is that video clip. The primordial interest of the United States, over which for a century we have fought wars, the first, second Cold War,
0: has been the relationship between Germany and Russia, because united they are the only
2: force that could threaten us, and to make sure that that doesn't happen. And that's the world that we're in today. The Russo-German alliance didn't happen, largely because of US meddling. But actually, we see an even stronger alliance, which is the Chinese-Russian alliance. China being the world's largest economy, according to purchasing power parity and growing more and more by the year. And that's why the U.S. is so desperate to wage this new Cold War and is trying to prevent Europe from integrating with China and Russia with these kinds of sabotage operations. It's all about trying to prevent the creation of a multipolar world and to maintain U.S. unipolar imperialist domination so U.S. corporations and Wall Street can continue to exploit the world the natural resources and cheap labor of the world it's always about making more and more corporate profits so with that said i'm going to conclude today obviously i would highly recommend that everyone go check out seymour hirsch's article i will link to that in the description below i will also link to my report in the description below which has links to the other sources with information about norwegian gas exports us lng exports maps the Baltic pipe that was created to replace the Nord Stream pipelines and all of that other information. That is in the description below. I'm Ben Norton. This is Geopolitical Economy Report. I want to thank everyone who's watching or listening. I'll see you all next time.